Let's stand. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Every time I I read something like that, I think, if Jesus felt compelled to do that, how much more should we feel compelled to pray? And when, the day, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother. James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and, and Simon, who was also called the Zealot, and Judas, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we pray that you would just uh, speak to us today for the glory of your kingdom. And let us mature in you. Let us grow in you. Let us understand our day and our age. In Jesus' name, amen. I I want us to think about leadership a little bit tonight. I I want you to think about uh, your role as a leader I want you to think about the roles of leaders you look to to influence your life. Uh, I want you you to think about this whole concept of leadership. God has always used people to lead other people, Uh, to influence other people, sometimes to simply be a voice in the face of rebellious people. One of the definitions that they use about leadership today is that leaders are influencers. But don't forget that in the kingdom of God, there's times where he raised up people to be a voice, and the only influence that they had was a negative reaction to them. And they didn't have this great following of people but they were leaders with a high calling to impact and to speak the truth uh, to the people that they were ministering to. Being the voice in many times is the highest calling of a Christian leader. His influence may be little, but the testimony of God is heard. Now, we live in a day where understanding some things about leadership is extremely important Uh, To know some basic foundational things about leadership is really important. And and I wanted to remind you why. Because the Bible warns us uh, that there's going to be false teachers and that there's going to be false prophets. Now, these false teachers and these false prophets are going to be deceptive. They're not going to wear a sign around their neck that says false. They're going to, in every way, look like they're true. The Bible tells us that even in the last days, that people will arise and they will perform miracles that will deceive even the elect, even the, the, the Christian, if we're not careful. This is why we need to be founded in the Word and filled by prayer with the Spirit so that we can have a discerning, sensitive spirit. Today, leaders can arise that can be very charismatic, very entertaining, and so far away from us that we think we know them, but we don't know them. TV makes that available, podcasts makes that available, radio makes that available, books make that available, video series make that available. And all those do is they just give us a glimpse of the person's teaching, but we don't really know much about the person. We don't know them very well. They may just be very good at marketing and very lightweight in their submission to the truth. And we, can be, we, we ought to be careful before we begin to idolize these teachers. We need to be careful. Uh, many, there's many great teachers out there that can be very helpful, but
but there's also others who can be harmful. So how do we know? Well, uh, remember, uh, as, as you will find, remember when, as you do this, you'll find someone who doesn't like everybody. So you've got to be careful in how you judge people you don't know. There's somebody out there who hates everybody. I mean, you, you take any Christian teacher and you Google their name, look up their name, and there's going to be some other Christian or some other person who's just blasting away at them, telling you what a heretic they are and how terrible they are. So you've got to be a little careful. Uh, different denominations attack each other. Different doctrinal groups attack each other. So how do, we, how do we work through all of that? Well, one of the ways we work through it is, is we, we, we learn what do they really believe. You go and you do some research from them. At, we ask them. We look on what their websites say and we discover what does this person really believe. And, and we pay attention to that uh, and, and we discover whether we agree or disagree with them. Now, one of the things that I would, I would tell you about anybody who is uh, a voice of correction to others, some of us have a weakness that when somebody really gets in somebody's face, it kind of appeals to us. Our flesh kind of likes the harshness. But I would tell you, that if you've got somebody who's being harsh, they're being mean-spirited, they're being nasty in the way they talk about somebody else, how do we, how do we justify our unkindness? How do we justify our lack of love? How do we justify all of that? In the face of the Word of God that calls us to correct gently and to be loving to others so, so I'm just telling you whenever I see a group belittling somebody arrogant in the way they're talking about somebody prideful in the way they're putting uh, somebody down uh, I'm, I'm cautious I'm cautious with that group here's another thing to watch out for watch out for grace and what is grace and Grace and are, are people who believe in grace. They preach grace. They tell you nobody's saved except by grace. But in their statements, it, it would be like they would say, uh, we believe in grace and you also have to believe this. If you don't believe this, you're not really a Christian. And they call everybody who believes or doesn't believe exactly like them somebody who really isn't a Christian, even though they're saying we're simply saved by grace. By grace. So it's like this. They promote an idea that you have to believe in fully or they don't accept you as a Christian. One of those things is creation. People will, will come and say, if you don't believe creation the way I believe it, exactly the way I believe it, uh, then you can't be a Christian. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say uh, you have, you're saved by grace and you've got your theology on creation right. It, it doesn't say that you're saved by grace and you have to have your doctrine on the baptism of the Holy Spirit right. It, it doesn't say that, uh, you know, we're saved by grace, uh, but there's certain people you don't have to love and be kind to. If it's grace and, and you don't fit into their and camp, you're not really saved. It's not really about grace. It's about works. It's about concepts. So be careful. And, and in our own side of things, we've got to be careful. Uh, it's best to be humble. It's best to be humble, to depend upon God and to trust God. L listen, I'm just going to promise you. Uh, here's one thing I'm going to tell you about heaven. It may surprise you. 
we're gonna, when we get to heaven, we're all going to learn places where we missed it. We're going to learn, oh, I shouldn't have had that attitude. I shouldn't have seen people that way. I shouldn't have felt that way about this. I shouldn't have done this. And, oh, I got it wrong about that. We're all going to learn uh, about that. You know, I, I talk to people from time to time. You maybe have heard me preach this. You know, some people will say to me, oh, I just don't believe in tithing. And I'll say, well, you know, someday we're going to stand before God. And uh, he's going to say one or two things to us. He's going to say that you're right. Uh, tithing wasn't required. And then he's going to look at, at me and he's going to say, you know, tithing wasn't required. But I appreciate your desire to please me. I appreciate, I, I, I'm going to bless you for your desire to do what I say. And even though, even though you didn't have to do that, generosity is blessed. Generosity is encouraged. Generosity is good. Now, I'd rather be on that side of it than stand before God and him say, uh, no, tithing was a way to show that you love me and you were so stingy you didn't do it. So if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to make a mistake on the side of trusting God. Does that make sense? And so I, I would say we, we just need to be humble. Be careful about those who are so certain that they are willing to destroy other ministries and condemn others on their personal and. You know it when you can take their teaching and say you are saved by grace only if you believe this as well. Listen, here's the foundational doctrine. Foundational stuff. Here's what we all have to believe. This is where we can't make a mistake. God's made it really simple. One, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Can't stutter on that. We can't, we can't disagree on that. That's got to be the one place that we all stand on. Jesus is the only way to heaven. The Bible is the revealed word of God. We can't, we can't mess around with that. If God can't reveal himself in his word, then what can we trust? If you can go through and pick something out in the Bible and say, you know what, we don't have to believe that, well, why do I, then why do I believe grace? Why do I believe that there's a heaven? Why do I believe that there's eternal life? Why do I believe any of this other stuff if I don't believe all of it? Either God's revealed himself or he hasn't. And so we stand upon the word. And we believe that we are saved by grace, by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. Now, friends, once we get down through those basic things, then people can argue about all the other stuff. I know what I believe. I know why I believe it. You should know why you believe it. We should pursue it. But, friends, that, I believe there's people who don't believe the same thing about me and on, on issues like the Holy Spirit, and they're going to be in heaven. They're going to be in heaven, and we're all going to find out who was right. I think there's people who believe different things than me about creation, and we're all going to be in heaven. Why? Because it's about Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus. It's about Jesus. Now, this by no means involves moral truths that are clearly spoken to in the Bible. By no means does it include that. In fact, that is one of the clear points as to our submission to God and to others' submission to God that we've got to pay attention to. Listen, you're going to see more and more Christian leaders cave on the issues of sexual morality and of homosexuality in America because the wave of culture is going to bring greater and greater pressure upon the Christian to conform to culture instead of standing on the Word. So it's going to get worse and worse unless we have a great awakening. And this, again, is why we should be coming and praying. We should be seeking God for a moving of His Spirit. To cave on basic, clearly stated moral issues. So what you'll hear today 
about something like homosexuality, you hear a camp of people who say, I've, I've had people say this to me, a camp of people who say, oh, the word was misinterpreted. And whenever I hear that, I go, for 2,000 years, hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of biblical scholars, Greek theologians, and they missed it for 2,000 years. This has been the standard of the, of the church from the day of its conception, and it was the standard of, of Judaism before that. So now we're looking at 6,000 years of misinterpretation of the Bible about this one issue. No, it cannot be so. It cannot be so that we just come up with something new on our own. But there's going to be more and more people caved to that. The true church must call people to repentance on points that are clearly scriptural truth. That will be leaders speaking to leaders. That will be the church speaking the law to the lost very clearly. Now, you know, my prayers, it's not harshly. It'll be received harshly no matter what you say. It's going to be received harshly. You're going to take it harshly. But we've got to speak the truth so the convicting, conviction and the moving of the Spirit happens through God's people speaking the truth and the Holy Spirit anointing it and moving it in people's lives. So, here's another thing when you're looking towards leaders. Pay attention to doctrine. There are some points of doctrine that even though I believe the person is saved, I, I wouldn't let their influence go too far in my life. I'm careful with them. I read them. I listen to them because they have many, many good things to say. But there's things that I'm aware of. It just doesn't fit into to what I believe. And I've got to be aware of that. However, if they don't believe the Bible is the final authority, uh, they, don't believe, they don't have a right biblical view of the local church, I, I'm done with them pretty quick. Three, our next, I, don't know what, I don't know if it's three or four or five. Fiscal responsibility. This is especially true if you're going to give money to any group. Take a look at their fiscal responsibility. So let me just get something off of my chest here a little bit. Uh, there seems to be this thing now when groups that we have a group in, and they come in, and uh, we're paying them to be here to sing for us and to minister to us. And they want to bring some organization in with them and put a really clever presentation together and then make an appeal for us to give an ongoing gift to feed the hungry or to put wells in or some other thing. And, and here's my word of caution to you. Before you do that, go look up this group. Do some research first. Before we have groups in that appeal to you and appeal to us for finances, we do that. We go look at what they're doing. I can look at you today and say, listen, we've looked into Convoy of Hope. That's why we believe in them. We, we believe in them because they are fiscally responsible and because there's na nationwide organizations that look at them and say they're fiscally responsible, that they're accountable to. Some of these groups are not accountable to anybody. And they're not fiscally responsible. And so you want to check them out. I've listed a couple on your notes. EFs, uh, ECFA and Charity Navigator are both groups. You can go look up whatever organization you're thinking about giving to and see if they're even listed there. See if they are a part of that organization. And if they're not, that should be a pretty big warning sign because there are, there are really good places to give to help people in need, to help things. That's why, we again, we love Convoy of Hope because when there's a, when there's a, a, a national, a, 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 a natural disaster, we can give to that and we know two things. It's going to be fiscally responsible and it's going to be done in the name of Jesus. I remember looking up one a, a while back. And, and, you know, they, they were going out and they were doing things. Uh, they would say they'd do things with the Red Cross. But they also had countries what they were in 
where they did thing with the crescent, the red crescent. And we got to ask him about it. I said, what, what's that all about? Well, you know, that, that makes the Muslim countries feel more comfortable when we say we're Muslim. Well, I'm not one to give, give, give stuff to people in the name of, of, of the Muslim faith. I want to give stuff in the name of Christian faith. So you just got to be careful. You got to go look and do a little research and, and say, well, you know, do I want to give to this before I get moved by any emotional thing? Always say this coming into missions. Emotion should drive us to prayer. Prayer should drive us to giving. If you skip the prayer part, you're going to get bitter about the giving. You're going to make a bad decision about the giving. If you, don't, if you, if you keep that prayer part in mind, then you're going to find blessing in the giving. Now, I really, I really got a, we had a group come in years ago now, and uh, they, were, they had an organization that was traveling with them, and, and we, we knew about it. And so we had said to them when you come in, we don't want that organization uh, to, to present to our people. We just, we just don't want it. And we'd said that to them right up front. We don't like some of the things that they support, that they do, and uh, they don't fit into our, our mission, what we're, we feel called to, so we'd rather that group. And, and when we sign the contract, you know, you're signing with some agent that's booking them, and they may not even c- clearly communicate to them what the deal is. So when they came in, the group started seven and said, no, 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 we can't do that. And, and the, the guy who was traveling with them, who was kind of their, uh, you know, their, their manager that was with them, he got very, very upset. And I just went and got the contract and said, look, this is what we said. We said we didn't want them here and showed it to him. And he, just, he, was, just, he was just livid. He was just livid. And I, and I finally said, look, we, we told you this before you come. What's the problem? Well, you're cutting into our money. I said, how am I cutting into your money? He said, well, everything that people give to them, the first time they give, it all comes to us. And I just went, well, see, that's exactly why we said we didn't want this group to, to do this here. That's exactly why. Uh, it's because you, you promote this as this is going to kids, and the first 15, 20 bucks is going to that group. So I, I, I just warn you, we, we've just got to be aware. Is this okay tonight? Or am, I, am I helping? Uh, here's, here's the next thing with, with, with leaders. To whom are they accountable? Uh, is, there, is there a board and is the board diverse? Uh, is everybody on the board them and their wife and their two sons? Uh, are they a part of an organization? Are they completely on their own? Is there an organization that's bigger than them that they, that they answer to? That holds them accountable in their life? All of these things help us judge those we don't know as we are aware of false teachers and prophets in the last days. So that's just my warning to you tonight. I want to take 15 minutes with you and just warn you that as as we have all of these things speaking to us, listen, you've really got to be aware of their doctrine or you'll get confused. Now, what about us? Uh, the first thing we learn here in this passage tonight is that there's a spiritual realm. This is what we talk about in the kingdom. How does the kingdom work? In the world, the way you select leaders is you look at their accomplishments. Maybe the organization interviews them and uh, gets some references from them, and they invite them into leadership because they've proven so much and done so much, accomplished so much. And Jesus doesn't do that at all. What does Jesus do? He goes and prays. He's going to select 12 men for the most important task uh, of the kingdom of God, to be his witnesses and to get the church moving forward. And what Jesus does is he prays all night. He seeks the Father all night. And he selects these 12 guys, and guess what? These guys are not perfect. They don't have a great resume. They they don't have a fantastic resume, these guys don't. Some of them have been zealots who've been a part of trying to do, who, who basically believe that anything goes to get rid of Rome. I mean, if they 
killed people, whatever. They, they, these were pretty radical guys. Some of them are just rough fishermen, just tough old guys. Uh, these, these, aren't, these aren't perfect guys. Peter, you know, we've all studied about Peter, and Peter would continue to make mistakes all through his time with Jesus on the earth. If you go past the original 12 and you look at Paul, this was the guy who was killing Christians, and God puts his hand on him. You look at James and John, uh, the sons of thunder, who would be sitting there going at, right, right at the very end of Jesus' life, hey, when you come into your kingdom, can one of us sit on the right? And one of Pretty ambitious guys. These weren't perfect guys. These were just guys. And then you got one of them, you got Judas, who wouldn't make it at all. And you think, well, why, why did Judas fall? Well, you look at Judas, he was manipulative and he was selfish. He was stealing money all the way. Watching Jesus do miracles, watching Jesus say to people stuff before, uh, before they said it out loud, revealing them. And he's thinking, I'm going to steal out of the treasury and Jesus isn't going to know it. He thought he was pretty clever. And he never repented of that. He never turned to that. And he was manipulative. We see his manipulation when the woman comes in and washes Jesus' feet with oil, anoints his head with oil, weeps on his feet, cleans his feet with her hair, and watch Judas's response. Judas's response is, if we had gotten that, that perfume that she's anointing his feet, we could have fed a lot of people. Basically, he said, we could put it in the treasury where I can get to it. That's what he was saying. And not only did he say it, but as you read through the Gospels, he stirred up the other apostles to say the same thing. He, was, he never came to this point of repentance uh, and, and of really surrendering fully to God. He was never humble and submitted fully to God. So I would just tell you, I'd just say, with any leader around us, beware of people who stir you up against others, who, who manipulate things with others. Always be wise enough to hear both sides of a story before you make up your mind. Now, here's a third thing. God gives us our gifts. God gives us our gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. He said, look, the Spirit's going to give a variety of gifts in the church. And at the end of the day, we're all supposed to serve. We'll do it in different ways. There's varieties of ways to serve. Uh, some will serve in the nursery. Some will serve in children's church. Some will serve as greeters. Some will serve as C2 group leaders. Some will serve as singers. Varieties of service, but we all serve the same Lord. We're doing it for the Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. That's the key to victory, is the empowering of the Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I want you to catch a couple of, of things there. One, he gives gifts to everyone. There are varieties of ways to serve, varieties of ways to do things. He gives them there. Now, here's one of the temptations. When I was a youth pastor and I was young and I read these statistics that, you know, 80% of the people get saved before they're 18, I, I, you know, I began to come to this conclusion that the most important ministry in the world is youth ministry and all the money should be coming to us because 80% of the people are going to get saved before they're 18. That is a tendency in every ministry that you're in. You should feel that way. You should feel that it's very, very, very important. You should be very, very zealous and passionate 
about where you serve. It should be something where you're finding fulfillment and joy and where you're just absolutely wanting to pour into the people's lives there. But you also have to look up and say, well, there's the children's workers. They've got an important job too. And there's the youth workers. They've got an important job too. And, and there's the greeters. They've got an important that everybody has this job. We're all serving the Lord. We should all be serving him passionately with zealous, with a lot of zealousness in us, understanding that there's a variety of gifts and a variety of ways to serve. That's maturity of our faith as we grow, grow. So we all have this manifestation of the Spirit. Here's the second thing to recognize. It's given to us for the common good. The gift you have is for good for others. It's not just for us to become a star. It's for the good of others. And, and here's the, the third thing. God gives the gifts at his will. Listen. Uh, there's gifts that God's given me. I am very aware I've not earned them. I'm very aware... I. You know, that he gave them to me. He made, he made the, the work in it easy. He made the work simple. Uh, there's other things I have to work a lot harder at that I lean on other people and their gifting. But in some things, it, it's just, and I, and I know, I know. I'm, I pray about this all the time. God, I know you've given me this, these gifts, and I know the same way you gave them to me, you can take them away from me. Uh, it's a gift. It's a gift. And it's just like when you were a kid and, got, and your dad gave you, a, you know, maybe he gave you a pocket knife or something as a boy or some gift. And, you know, if you started cutting up the curtains, guess what's going to happen to the gift? Dad's going to take it away, isn't he? And some other bad things might happen. Um, so recognize God gives the gifts. Romans twelve six. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in our serving. The church needs people serving. You just find joy in serving. You know, we honored Linda last, uh, last uh, Sunday morning, 20-some years just serving. Just working in the background, making sure the nurses are taken care of every week, serving. That's to be honored. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, get this, if you're going to be a leader be zealous in it. Be excited in it. 1 Timothy 3.1. The, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. What's God saying here? You can desire noble things. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard nor violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. There's a big warning there. Be careful when somebody gets saved that really has a, a, you know, a, what we would call this picturesque uh, testimony. Uh, how quickly we want to put that picturesque testimony up in front of people. We should take some time and let them grow. We should, we should look at them and say, hey, you know what? First thing you need to do. God took Paul and spent 13 years getting him ready to go do what he called him to do on the first day he was saved. Think about that. 13 years getting him ready.
So be careful how, how quickly we move. Uh, moreover, he must, not, not, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy to dishonest gain. They must hold to the, the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. Listen, one of the temptations when we have somebody that we really like is to not hold them accountable for something where they're really off base. And, and the call of the church is to, is to help all of us grow in the things of God. To help all of us be like God would have us to be. Now, if you desire to be mightily used of God, listen, you will be a better leader in all areas of life if you seek to live by these biblical qualities we just mentioned. If you'll seek to live by those biblical qualities, if you'll be that kind of a person, I don't know if God will call you to be an overseer. I don't know if he'll call you to be an elder. I don't know what he'll, all he'll call you to do. But if you'll live by those qualities, you'll be a better leader in your home. You'll be a better leader in your life. You'll be a better leader in the church. You'll be a powerful leader if you'll live by those qualities. And remember, humility is simply recognized dependence on God. Just recognize, I, I can't do this. Listen, I settled this a long time ago. I can get up here on Sunday morning and, and maybe learn how to be clever, learn how to present things in a, in a fun way, uh, maybe be able to stir emotions in some way. But if God doesn't do the work, friend, you might as well be at, at a, you know, at some comedy club someplace where you're at least going to get a bunch of laughs because it's not going to do anything. Unless God does it, it doesn't mean anything. He calls us to do stuff, and then he anoints us with his power in the doing to bring about his purpose. You get that? And this humility that we do things in, whether it's the singer on the platform who realizes God gave me this ability, I'm going to glorify God with it, and I'm dependent upon God for it. It's different than the singer who gets up and goes, I am really a great singer, and boy, everybody really likes to hear me sing, and I like to sing for them and get the applause of the day. Got to watch that spirit wherever it is in our life. The enemy will try to do that to us. So recognize our dependence upon God. Now, uh, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? Um, I don't know what Matthew and Peter and James and John wanted to be. Uh, they made themselves available. They were available. They were there. They, they put down their nets and followed him. They left their tax collector's booth and followed him. They put themselves in a place where God could put his hand upon them. And I think that's the most we can, we're, we're supposed to do is put ourselves in that place where God can put his hand on us. Now when he does, he's going to prepare us. He's going to get us ready. He's going to put us through some things to build a foundation in our life. And he's going to take these guys, these young guys that he called, and for three years he's going to pour into their life. And at the end of those three years, listen, they still didn't get it. He's crucified and he dies and they think all is lost. And he's been telling them for the last year, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be put in the hands of sinners and of the Pharisees. They're going to kill me and they're going to abuse me and beat me and kill me. But I'm going to rise again on the third day. And they still didn't get it. I mean, he clearly tells them. And they still don't get it. They're still thinking he's going to set up an earthly kingdom. And then he rises again, and now he begins to explain. Now they're getting it more and more, and then the Holy Spirit comes on them, and now they've got it. Now they've got it. So be patient with yourself and be patient with others, but try to learn. Now, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep, are keeping watch 
over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Whatever place of leadership you have, whatever place of influence you have, one, God's put you there. He wants you to use it for the glory of his kingdom. Two, you're going to answer for it. You're going to give account for it. If you're a small group leader, you're going to give account for it. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you're going to give account for it. Uh, whatever ministry God, if you're raising kids, God's going to, you're going to be held accountable for it. Every place God puts us and, and gives us his gifting in it, there's going to be accountability to it and how we use that gift for his glory. So we get this accountability for how we use our gift, but we also get accountability for how we, how we followed the leaders God put over us. Do you know the only time God gives us the freedom to rebel against leaders over it, whether it be secular leaders or religious leaders, the only time we have the opportunity to say, nope, not doing that, not living that way, is when they are in direct conflict with God's instruction for our life. Direct conflict. Now, as leaders, we should never take advantage of that. You know, if I got up here and said, okay, next Sunday, everybody wears white shirts. That would be taken, I better have a good reason for that. I better be able to explain why that's important. There better be a reason for me. Uh, that's, that's, but, but if I look at, look at say, hey, listen, Easter's coming. Let's all invite somebody to church. I shouldn't have to plead and beg and, and, you know, try to tell you stories that make you want. You should sit and say, you know what, as a mature believer, that's a right thing to do. And Easter's coming and pastors ask to invite people to church. I'm going to invite people to church. I should obey leadership when I can. And listen, how you obey leadership is how people under you are going to obey your leadership. We are going to reap what we sow. We're going to reap what we sow. If, if we're, you know, cooperative and we support leadership, and we, God, that's going to flow right down into our life. And if we are rebellious and hard-hearted, then we're going to be sitting going, why do I have these hard-hearted, rebellious kids? They don't pay attention to anything I say. You know, I, I look at my kids, and I'm thankful that my wife had a soft heart and obedient heart for God because we've reaped more of that than what we've reaped out of me, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm grateful for, for, for the, the reaping of what we... Make sure your heart's in the right place. Now... I say that to say all of this before we go home. As pastor, I'm telling you to make an appointment with God and keep it. I'm telling you, you need to do this. I'm not just up here whistling Dixie for you, friends. I'm not just up here coming up with stuff. I've prayed about this for a long time. I've looked in the Word and I see it clearly. If you will make an appointment with God and begin to seek Him, you'll be faithful to it. You're going to begin to grow in God. You're going to grow more and more in love with God. You're going to begin to recognize His Spirit in your life. You're going to begin to recognize His leading in your life. You're going to be encouraged when other people are discouraged. You're going to have strength when other people are walking in weakness. You're going to have authority when other people have no strength of voice. You're going to be a different Christian because you're spending time with Christ. And so I, I, I shouldn't have to I just be able to say, you need to do this. Make that appointment with God and keep it. Now, friends, I'm telling you again, prophetically I'm telling you, we stand today at a, at a national crossroads. It's a national crossroads. And the church can make a, make a difference in which way that goes. And we're not going to make a difference because we have better light shows, or better guitar players, or more exciting music, or, or because our preacher's better. We're not... That's not where it's going to happen. It's going to happen because the spiritual atmosphere changes because people pray a different spiritual 
atmosphere into place. Listen, when the spiritual atmosphere changes, you can get up and say just about anything and people will get saved. You know, I was listening to somebody talk uh, just the other day and they, they asked, they, they'd asked the question, they said that well, they had the time to be with Billy Graham. And they said, Billy Graham, and they said, uh, uh, what, what are you going to ask God anything when you get to heaven? He said, yeah. And they said, what? He said, why me? They said, what do you mean? He goes, look, there are better preachers than me. There are better organizers than me. There are a lot of people better than me. Why did God choose to use me? What was he saying? It's the power of God coming through us. It's, there was an atmosphere that was set through their prayers, through their work, that Billy Graham would get up and you'd sit there and listen to him preach and watch multitudes come to salvation. Listen, if we'll pray, we can change the spiritual atmosphere. We can change the spirit. And I'm calling you to do that individually. I'm calling you and saying, listen, we need to come do that together. We need to do it with zeal. We need to do it with, with compassion. I'm not telling anybody they need to come every night. I mean, some people do, but I'm not telling anybody they have to do that. I'm just saying you need to make some commitment and come pray with us and be a part of this. We're trying to see a spiritual dynamic change in our nation. That doesn't happen through natural resources that happens through spiritual resources that's where prayer prayer is the key to the kingdom of God when when Jesus said to Peter I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven you know what his next words were whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven how does that happen that happens by prayer he's saying here's one of them here's one of them we want to make a difference we can make a difference. I don't care what the newspapers do. I don't care what the magazines do. I don't care what Hollywood does. I don't care what the politicians pass. If the church will begin to pray, the spiritual atmosphere will change and God will draw people to him. That's the hope of America today. And as a pastor, and as a leader, I'm calling you today to, for us to, to, to come and to pray. Jesus appointed 12 men. One betrayed him, one died an old man, ten died as martyrs for the cause of Jesus, and yet their lives still call out to us today about the validity of the message of Jesus. Wow. Just 12 guys willing to serve him. That's always stunned me. 12 guys, 11 of them obedient. And God used them to set the whole world on a different course. Wow. If we'll be willing, he'll use us. Amen. Pick up the mantle of leadership and let's march forward. It's our time now. Let's stand together and let's pray. I'm just going to ask you to come down the front to pray. Come on down and join me down here, please. Look, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, you, you, you haven't gone through starting point yet. One of the things that happens in starting points is you go through an assessment that helps you recognize your spiritual gifts and your passions. Uh, there's, a, there's ways that, that we can do that and help you discover what you're really gifted to do. And I want to encourage you, if you've not been through starting point yet, go through starting point. Uh, four, four levels of growth track there that will help you in your life. You know, it's every Sunday morning. Uh, during the second service and you don't have to wait to the first of the month you can just go whenever you want and just you may miss one and come back the next month and get it just kind of go through it all but understand this as you walk out these doors God has gifted you for something he has called you to something he wants your life to have eternal value he wants you to have a sense of the fulfillment of his purpose in your life He's given you the talents, the abilities, and the gifts that you have so that not just will this world be a better place, but so that eternity will be a better place from the attorneys for people will be a better place for them. And he wants to use you in that, and you've got to pray your way through. Nobody can define that perfectly for you except you. 
You've got to find what that passion is. And that's going to be different from, from every one of us. You know, I, I sit here and I look at Ivan and Sharon down here. They've given years and years and years of their life to ministering to, to people with special needs. What, what a great thing. I, I, just, I, just, I just honor that and respect that so much. And, and it's made a difference in so many of their lives. And not everybody's called to do that. They've, they've grabbed a hold of that calling and been faithful in it and served in it. And so have many of you. you found, many of you have found places of calling where you're being used and where you're serving. And I just want to challenge all of us. Find that place that lights you up, that makes it easy to go do it even when it's hard, that makes you passionate about being a part of it, where you really want to make a difference. Because that's the way God has wired you in his kingdom. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd help all of us find those places of leadership. Right now, some, some in this room, the high calling of leadership is to raise their children to love and serve you. And I pray that, Father, we wouldn't take that portion of our calling lightly. Father, sometimes we take getting them trained athletically or even helping them get their grades as these overarching important things when, Lord, we, we want some of those things for them, but the overarching thing should be learning to love and serve you. Help us to do that. Help the families of our church to do that. Some of us are past that age, and we're past that time. Some of us have other callings in our life as well. And I, I just pray that, Father, wherever we're at right now, that we would see what that calling is and that we would be faithful to it, that we would grab the, the role of leadership. You've put your hand upon, just like you put your hand on the 12 disciples, 12 apostles. Your word says you've given each and every one of us a manifestation of your spirit. So you've called every one of us to something. Lord, in Jesus' name, for the sake of lost souls. Let us be passionate about it and let us function as a church together for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Has this been okay tonight? Listen, God has a plan for you that's dynamic. I, when I get to heaven, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. You know, to hear well done, you had to have done something. <laughs> right? First thing is get us cleaned up. Got to done. Got to get that done, and then whatever he calls me, I got to do that. Got to stand in whatever he wants me to stand in. There's got to be some doing if I'm going to hear well done. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord. May His joy be in your life.